0: Okay, let me give him a little clap here. Oh, there we go. Okay, John, I stand, sit. Before you, a humbled and penitent music critic. <laughs> you take, you take all I pleasure. I take great, great pleasure in that. Yes, <laughs> I take great pleasure in that. Yes. Well,
1: that was. Uh, uh, an unexpected break of form for the way things had been going, yes, wasn't it? Yes, it was. So I we, mean,
0: we caught a concert at the San Diego Symphony of uh, Beethoven's Egmont Overture, Haydn's Symphony Number no. 2, Oxford. Or not, wait, wasn't it 90, 92. 92. Trust, no. trust the recall. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, Beethoven Symphony Number no. Six. Symphony Number no. Six. Pastoral.
1: The always surprising Symphony Number no. Six. You think, oh, it's, oh, it's going to be Symphony Number no. Six. You know, it's like da di da da. But it's got so much in it when it's played that so way. So much in it when it's when played, it's
0: played <laughs> with vigor and purpose. Every single note sprang from the previous note with a little flash of brightness. Like it, it just everything moved forward with these little like little sparklers. Every single note was a little. They played it beautifully, because you can crucify an audience with Beethoven's sixth symphony. I'm talking about three days on a cross, no water, they break your legs, and the symphony's over. All you have to do is listen to Put On Bruno Walter. (laughs) Or probably (laughs) Cello
1: Kill me now. Kill me now. No, yes. it's it, yeah. and, and Edo DeVart was the conductor. We in this. now we ha- have not had the best experience of the the. Let's put it this way: of Beethoven, we have not been not been enthralled with the results of the relationship between Edo DeVart and the San Diego Symphony players. I mean, I am the first to say that I hum. I acknowledge Edo DeVart's... the, the yep. quality of his his body of work. Right. His Respighi Pines of Rome is definitive as far as i'm concerned i don't need one any better than that it's fantastic okay they have not played for him that way and yeah okay in my book he's not the most demonstrative he's not conductor no
0: conductor once they reach their 70s like fancarian in his 70s was that was you know that was well carl bohm as well yeah all of them yeah but they, and of course, Rickard Strauss, who's checking his watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a pinochle game to go. Yeah,
1: to. so so they. I noticed. I mean, we heard we heard a subpar seventh. At the we previous heard, season, we heard a yeah.
0: subpar fourth. Yes, this year, two weeks uh, ago. Two weeks ago, I heard a
1: dreadful fifth symphony. Uh, you uh, you heard the dreadful fifth? Yeah, and. And we thought, what are we going to Dread, encounter? I, the, it was it was a boring fifth symphony, which well obviously yeah we don't they, want it,
0: we don't need yeah
1: they're yeah. not they, they they don't play shabbily no they don't just always yeah. play excitingly exactly. right and right and it wasn't so, shabby or mess it was just no that's not the issue yeah. the issue is are you going to go the extra mile or are you not going to go the extra mile mm-hmm. and they did and I noticed it in it the second so movement. Group. Where there, there are some vigorous crescendos that, that, that come into it, and he's giving a beat. Mm-hmm. The question is, are you going to play his beat, or are you going to play the music that he has probably discussed with you and that you know sure. is there, right. and that, that are you going to transcend the beat of a 70-plus-year-old conductor and play the music that mm-hmm. he knows is there and you know is there, but can you do? will you do it? Right, and I noticed they were giving the they were playing the music above and beyond his beat. Yes, and I thought, well, here we go.
0: Yeah, well, it started with the Egmont. So before we continue, can you make sure that your microphone doesn't say back anywhere? It doesn't, correct? Well, you back. sound good anyway. So it says back on the back. Oh, yeah, you're good. I don't see anything. Okay, good. Yeah, I guess the test was good. Okay. So it began with the Egmont Overture, which I was, okay, I entered this concert like a car that had been parked on the street in August for three weeks and was coated with days of Santa Ana dust, baked on, crusty, just waiting for something to put another layer of dirt on me. And instead, where were you parked? I was parked uh like in the high desert, someplace. No, or? 54th and Euclid. Oh, okay, yeah, right. that's where the. <laughs> oh, I thought I was thinking land, like windblown oh. Lancaster or yeah. something. Yeah, but well, that's we can get that. Yeah. All so, right, 54th and Euclid's yeah. dusty enough. Yeah. Okay. And uh I left that concert shiny and clean. The dust, and everything just been washed <laughs> off of my soul, and I we left just smiles. Well, they got a standing ovation, yeah. a universal a standing. A very ola- long standing ovation. They brought him out for three, for three, yeah. uh, three calls. It was the most satisfying concert of Beethoven I've heard there.
1: Yes, it was very good. It had all the punch that other performances have lacked. Right. Um, incisive chordal playing, like mm-hmm. you know, playing some really sharp accents where you want to hear them. You want yeah. to hear those chords bite. Yeah. And they bit. Yeah, and it was gripping. It really was. Yeah. It was it was enthralling playing.
0: Yeah, the Egmont. That's what. So the egg, the the horn playing four horns in the Egmont. I it never dawned on me there were four horns in that. That's a lot. And uh, they played. They were so. Yeah, they really did. They their they, articulation was sharp, with you know the, it wasn't squared off rhythms, but it was.
1: Chris so well, they were going for it yeah you can tell when They've, when somebody's going for it yeah. as a group and they're they're hitting their marks
0: they every phrase ended with this little uh, like it was oh it's thrilling every single section you were uh I, I was on the complimentary of, my, of the clarinet
1: oh there was some beautiful clarinet playing the 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 some really good articulated runs and uh and especially and uh, in, in the 6th. That, that, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. that bit really yeah. good it's yeah. and it, it came right through the orchestra even going down into the lower register yeah and that was that's really fun when you can when it doesn't you when know you have just,
0: a transparent orchestral sound like that to hear those
1: but there was such good forward motion in it now we've mm-hmm. heard two good Beethoven sixths in the last year because michael francis did it at the mozart mainly mozart last year Mm -hmm. and i remember coming away if i i haven't looked back at our 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 videos but i'm pretty sure we came away from saying from that saying that's about right that's the way i like it yeah and that's exactly what i said at the end of the thing i turned you and i said that's the way i like it exactly
0: (laughs) because he moved it along there was no this was a brisk walk through the country there was no a
1: purposeful hike we were it
0: has to be that if the sixth infin- symphony once again we're back to being crucified
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it, it well it just lacks so much when there's that that void of energy and it's just nothing but you know it, it's it's different when 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 grass is is stiff enough to like resist the breeze and uh-huh. blow in it okay. and then or but when when it's when when it's you know i, I don't know overwatered and limp and just lays down like that then right. th- it's it, it's not there's no energy in it. Mm-hmm. That's not fun grass.
0: <laughs> it's not fun grass. It's not my kind of grass.
1: <laughs> no, it's it's. Uh, I, I gas ass or grass. <laughs> nobody rides for free. No, my so best I, friends, I, older and, brother. And, and we we, yeah. um, we we there we it was a brisk hike through the countryside, and uh, we didn't step in a single cow pat.
0: No, not a one. <laughs> and we didn't linger by the brook too long. No, that scene by the brook again. There's so many traps for live performance of this symphony. Uh, There's a lot of um, you can you can you can kind of stop and enjoy the view a little bit too much as a performer as a conductor that in an ensemble and then flowing The flowing
1: v- brook reminds me of passages in Haydn's uh, creation in the second mm, part. Okay. There's some beautiful flowing brook music, mm-hmm. and it's like that's so so proto-romantic that piece. It, right. He does such a great job with evoking so many different things. And uh, uh, I think Beethoven. Oh, 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 I know what, what else I thought about the the uh, uh, walking out. There are there are various things that um, that I think you know. That's uh, that's proto this or proto that. Okay. Uh, I definitely heard some um, some proto Tchaikovsky in the strings. Ah. Uh, and I I can't quite remember exactly where it was. But another thing that I thought was. The the hit, thought the hit,
0: arpeggios in the storm were very forward.
1: Could yeah. be, yeah. The the but the 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 evocation of the night of the cuckoos, da 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 cuckoo da da uh, yeah. da, 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 yep. da Well, that's that's a proto who took off from that Everyone. Respighi, <laughs> yeah. But Respighi took it to a different direction and 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 actually used a real nightingale, right. a recorded nightingale. So he transcended it with media, but with a mixed media kind of thing which is very early but that's a pro that's a proto rosie uh, uh, a proto respigies Nightingale*. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah you know, like we were so excited to do this guess what we didn't do shield and spear oh classical, classical rebellion. rebellion i mean well yeah, I mean, we've been on a break though
1: we have been well we've been very yeah. busy it's been christmas and we've been working on the we've not been on a break we've been on a break from this but we've been working on other things. The uh, for one thing, we've uh, we're we're in the middle of our. Um, we had this is this will be our fourth and final class this week at the uh, La Jolla Community Center. Yeah, and we've been talking about uh, using Beethoven as a touchstone for going in a variety of different mm-hmm. directions with symphonies, with piano concerto, um, and uh, with, with it, you know taking off. You know, this is what Beethoven's third. You know how yeah. other Composers, you know how they reacted in their third and their fifth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so
0: we, we 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 pled the fifth. <laughs> that's right? right. So we did it. We pled the fifth, or you could say, um, what would be the other thing? Uh, how else could what we had another?
1: Well, it was a menage a trois.
0: We had menage a trois at first for, for the third. For the third, so the third symphony and the French uh, elements of that third symphony. That's right. And then we had to plead the fifth
1: we played the fifths. Uh, and so we
0: did Beethoven's 5th, Bruckner 5th, fifth, Mahler 5th, fifth, Tchaikovsky 5th, fifth, Sibelius 5th, Trostkovich 5th, Prokofiev's 5th. We had to skip we were out of time. We didn't go backwards um,
1: though because to do Mozart's 5th he would have been I think he wrote that when he was 8.
0: Yeah, and it was like so 12 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. But
1: um and then, and then we uh, did piano concerti. And then this yeah. year this week we're going to be doing um the final the, is, the final uh, installment Symphony number nine. Oh, that's right. Ninth symphonies. Yeah. So, and that's really been a lot of fun. And shout out to all the folks uh, over there that have been showing up and seem to be enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've, I think, it's really been uh, a lot of fun to have this give and take and share impressions and just toss ideas around. It's kind of like they're they're here for their own private talk show. Right. On the right. subject, this is the yeah. subject we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. tonight, and and it's the format seems to have worked. the The comments have been good, so if when we do another one, I hope that yeah. folks out so there. So we'll will, be doing
0: I, these dates have not been confirmed yet. I'm just going to confirm them for all of us now. Oh, we're gonna do Thursdays in March at seven o'clock, seven to eight thirty, and the theme will be uh, the Russians. Russians keeping it real. How's that? I like that. Yeah. So. Maybe we'll start a little bit with the mighty handful and imperialist Russia, there's and then transition. To, there's a lot to talk about into the Soviet composers and the. Uh, I want to give some examples
1: ancient. of, of uh, the interplay between Prokofiev and Poulenc. Mm. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, two guys who from completely different countries who had a very similar musical accent. Yeah, in a lot of cases.
0: Yeah. Well, Prokofiev is so. <laughs> <laughs> I love Prokofiev, <laughs> man. But there's uh, so much to talk apparently about. Apparently a very disagreeable person, but eh, whatever. Well, whatever. He's Russian.
1: But, the, you know, I, I, and just recently I, I, the, I discovered some really wonderful miniatures by uh, one of the lesser-known nationalist composers, Lyadov. Uh, hmm. There's some really amazing a, things there's to, to... There's
0: a bunch of... Like, like oh, myaskovsky you know. Right. You, you know his name because he wrote 27 symphonies. Maybe you learned that in a music history course at some point but there's some solid music there
1: but who hears them now outside maybe of Russia but I mean
0: because his name's Mayaskovsky it's there's a brand that composers have I really do believe that (laughs) Willen what's his name Healy Willen Healy Willen it's Healy Willen not because of the quality of his music because of his name I think there's something to that.
1: Oh, there is a certain ring of personality about a given yeah. name,
0: This is why some composers change their names. Yeah. Um, Shostakovich, <laughs> Chopin—who wanted? Like, who doesn't want to listen to Chopin? Plus, it's spelled, you know, in a way that the uninitiated can't pronounce correctly, so you can—you can have this superiority thing. Oh, I just you learned mean Chopin?
1: That that uh, Carlo Gesualdo. Wrote his first book of madrigals. Bloody killer. Murderer. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Not a nice okay. man. <laughs> wrote <laughs> his first book of madrigals under a pen name. Oh, really? He he he, he published it. He, he had a nom de plume. <laughs> um, uh, w- uh, it, it was um, pa-
0: Vlad pa- and Palani oh.
1: or something like P-A-L-A-N-I-D. I.J. with the, the mm-hmm. Ilunga, the, um, like oh. Pamphili okay. or uh, Palani or something uh-huh. like this, um, and, or Pilani. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember what the first name was, but yeah, he actually like used a nom de plume. Huh. But anyway. To um, kill his wife. And then he then, then after he killed his wife, then he, he discovered that, that Carla Gisualdo was like better marketing. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The most evil of all composers. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's fair. He was just doing what you do back then. I that's mean, true. but he wasn't a very nice man.
0: No, he killed the, his child. He killed the his two-year-old own. son. Well, now there's because some, he didn't. He said it had the eyes of. It didn't there, have
1: his eyes. There, there's some dispute about some of the de- the, the ancillary details to the murders I'm, as to whether sure they're actually heard or not. But, but, but no. But anyway, um, we need to do a Gisualdo episode. Because his music is fascinating. It is. Uh, it really is genuinely. Um, but the genuinely tonality
0: brilliant. is not Baroque tonality whatsoever. You say that now.
1: But I will I will demonstrate to you a there few things from even the 1300s that, sh- that show that hexatonic juxtaposition uh, can produce some really strange effects. Sure.
0: Yeah, no <laughs> doubt.
1: Anyway, do come to hear us talk about the Russians. Um, and we might even work some Russian opera in there
0: hmm we should yeah, of course yeah boris is obvious
1: eugene Onegin, ruslan yeah. but i mean just with given the the, the strangest op the, the given most...
0: the stalin's the whole thing with stalin that we're going to explore oh yeah and boris good enough and the opening scene where the peasants are forced to come out and celebrate boris and then they're like all right you losers come back here again tomorrow and <laughs> scream your throats out for for you know it was this kind of whole political uh you know facade that was bringing Boris to power right right. uh and and Shostakovich references that when talking about his fifth symphony so Uh,
1: yeah it's amazing that uh well there's a lot to talk about
0: it's amazing that we know so much (laughs) it is it's
1: it's amazing (laughs) that he survived to let us know it yeah you know Um, yeah and then
0: we've got other things planned I think we might do a, a Puccini series uh a Puccini was the Kapellmeister of the the cathedral in Luca Puccini doesn't for just 150 ha- years before Puccini. Puccini, doesn't just
1: doesn't just come out no. of nowhere as a composer. No, he is. The <laughs> he had a lot of generation. music in his family. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, and, we,
1: uh, There's a lot. There's much to talk about there. You know, this whole music thing—it's almost an inexhaustible supply of almost, subject matter.
0: Almost, so much to yeah. talk
1: about. Yeah, and we're going to be going up to um, Pacific Symphony. To hear the Mahler eight in the, 8th, spring? In when the is, spring. When is the uh, I think it's in May. Okay. I think it's in May. and. Um, that's a big one. Oh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to hearing yeah.
0: that. We've had a lot of great concerts in San Diego coming up before that one, but... That's now, Mahler's that's a very 8th.
1: good... They're a very good symphony. Uh, they're the, a the, very good... It's going to be overwhelming The Pacific Chorale line. is a very good uh, chorale, but a friend of mine who actually sings in the Pacific Chorale was telling me... Because they, they just did uh, a concert for Chinese New Year, mm. and... Um, she said after after having been in uh, um, Aida elsewhere, um, uh-huh. th- they, it wasn't quite the same. <laughs> ah.
0: <laughs> to I have see.
1: a choral ensemble, mm-hmm. you know, who Versus doesn't an opera chorus. normally do opera chorus like that. So they're going to also have to contend with Otello oh, yeah. this year, and there's some mighty singing in Otello we as well. We can't go to that. Oh, for No, we're in Barbara Seville. Hmm.
0: The concertate in the third contratate in the third in the third act of Otello is one of my favorite things of all time. Yeah. See si, uh, see si, no that's the, si Pochelle, the sec- that's, that's the uh, second act. Yeah. Um uh Aterra. When he throws her to the ground. Or if it's the Placido Domingo, he always looks at her and stares her to the ground and she submits. It's it's chilling. It's uh oh, one of the great moments of western culture mm. because you know patriarchy <laughs> <laughs> of course the whole point is the patriarchy is like no well, bad don't do that aida, like this is like you're, Othello. you are does Damon aside in that it, it's so verity's
1: verity's journey from aida through otello to falstaff yeah. is just <laughs> after after how many after 20 some operas yeah to 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 go boom 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 and and morph his whole compositional style yeah. so vastly it's just phenomenal yeah. just phenomenal.
0: Yeah, oh, we have got so much to talk about.
1: We got to do a Verdi talk.
0: We've kind of done it, but yeah, we can Yeah.
1: But still. We need
0: to do a Wagner talk too.
1: I'm one of the very few people that oh, we need to do a uh, we do need to do a Wagner series. But I'm one of the very few people that you will run into on the street who has actually been in um Verdi's very first opera, Alberto Compi oh, di San Bonifacio? Sure. Yeah. There just there aren't very many no. people around. But we the, the opera did it in the Verdi Festival, the last Verdi festival that they did. With
0: a very young Ferruccio Forlanetto Furlanetto was, Furlanetto was his, yeah. his
1: first performance here. And uh what a thrilling thing it was yeah. to hear that voice, that basso voice rolling out with an mm-hmm. effortless top in the in bel canto it's line
0: least you voice knew voice that is not
1: squeezing itself you knew right from the get-go that this man's future was assured i mean this is a great voice and yeah. we get to hear it at the outset yeah and it was just it was just stunning i mean and then of course his acting you know not much to act in that opera, yeah. really, but it, it didn't take long for him to st- establish himself.
0: Okay, so I was in... We're going to have a little Fruccio for Laneto episode here. Okay. Uh, so you were in just that with him? Were you in anything else with him? San Diego Symphony?
1: Trying to remember if... No, I, I don't... I mean, San Diego Opera. San Diego Opera. I, I don't... That was like in 83. Absurdily. Yeah. It was... I it, it was the next to the last Verity festival. the last Verity Festival I think included I Dieri okay. with Sutherland. Hmm. it might have been those two that, okay. but I think it was the last Verity festival yeah. okay
0: so then I was I've been in Boris uh, with him and Faust he was Mephistopheles and uh, Don Carlo, King Philip II chilling oh my God. I uh, saw Donkey him. show. Oh my goodness, uh, you've seen him in so many of the great murder, roles. Murder in the Cathedral, Thomas Beckett.
1: Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that from um, the house.
0: What else was I in with him? I, it doesn't matter. And I heard his Don Giovanni uh, from the house when I was in college. Uh, we would do standing room tickets for 10 bucks, And uh, back then, the opera attendance was terrible. And we would sit, you know, orchestra, whatever, for 10 bucks. But his Don Giovanni was so incredible because he was twice the voice of anyone else in the cast, <laughs> and as Don Giovanni, maybe should be. Sure. <laughs> at, at well, least if you want Pien, you know, if yeah. you want an Ezio Pinza type. Yeah. Yeah. So he, here's the thing: that's a full bass singing Don Giovanni. Right. That's a different thing.
1: True. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: And of course, he was the Leporello on on the uh, Don Giovanni with Samuel Ramey and Fancarion, which Fancarion discovered for Linetto.
1: Right. I I remember uh, shortly after... Yeah, I got a
0: chance to interview Ferruccio, and I asked him about Fancarion. And he said, I went to bed and nobody knew me. And the next day, the world knew who I was. Because Fancarion put him in Don Carlo at Salzburg Salzburg with... Because Nikolai Girov Come up sick, and so Fancarion had heard about Ferruccio, called him up, had him come in, coached him. Next day, boom, international opera star. <laughs> there are no conductors who can do that anymore. Well, I,
1: I saw him, I saw I was on stage with him in '83, I think mm-hmm. it was, and then I didn't see him again live, even despite the fact that I lived in London all that time and, and, uh, you know, during the 90s and, and and have been back many times since. But I, I didn't see him on stage again until, I believe it was 2004. Mm-hmm. So it was almost 20 years in between. right? Uh, probably 20 years. And I was in New York and he was singing the role of the Cardinal in La Juive ah. with um, Neil Shikoff, okay. who was giving a very strange performance. <laughs> As um, he was wont to do. As he was wont to. I mean, yeah. s- but uh, I mean, phys- I mean, like physically, his posturing ah. was very, very hmm. odd. I couldn't figure it out. Okay. But it, but anyway, uh, it was thrilling to see Ferruccio Furlanetto after the after twenty years passage of time, and to hear that voice singing the same way, just yeah. like with that l- lyric expression. Mm-hmm. And think, and it was like, it was like it all came back. Yeah. It's like this is why this man is great. Yeah.
0: It was it was such an incredible experience to be sometimes from me to you from him. Yeah. Uh and you could see you could see the space back here. <laughs> just from you know, he he wasn't a big open mouth singer, a little bit. Uh, but you could see that space. You could just you and you more than importantly, you could hear it. And then right. you mentioned his acting. In rehearsal for Don Carlo, there's a scene where uh, uh, King Philip gets aggressive with Don Carlo and uh, he stood up and turned and looked at Don Carlo and and like kind of moved up stage. And everyone in the chorus was a little bit scared. <laughs> it was so ch- chilling. It was like, I think he's really going to kill him right now. And this is just no costume. Just in the rehearsal hall, you know, everyone kind of standing around doing blocking and then like run the scene and immediately bam in the character to the point where it, it was just chilled your blood. And uh he did just these, you know, he did the standard, you know, baritone claw stuff, but it worked because he believed in every single thing he was singing and portraying. Yeah. When someone's like, oh, I'm doing the baritone claw again, uh you it doesn't come on like the conviction behind it he did he did he rolled himself up in a map of Russia in Boris sounds terrible but it was phenomenal because we snuck out into the house and watched, watched <laughs> the, the act yeah, because we had this big break and I was like what is he is he and then he rolled himself up in this I was like that works <laughs> it shouldn't work but it worked he, everything he did on stage worked and a lot of it was just the cliche opera stuff.
1: All right. Well, y- the, y- you know, there's there is something to that cliche opera there stuff. There sure is.
0: And I can testify that
1: to, to to that from having seen the Kirov in London in about 2001, uh, with their, you know, on their first tour to uh, outside of Russia, uh, in to uh, bringing. A couple of Prokofiev operas, modern Prokofiev operas, but a couple, uh, Kovanshina and Mazeppa, with paint, mm. old painted flats and you know the the the, the traditional, Kirov sets mm-hmm. with you know classic gesticulated acting and broad movements and I uh, and I haven't heard a roar in an opera house right. for the like I heard for those performances. It was mm. like Sutherland, you know, right, that roar, yeah, the old-fashioned like, roar. When-
0: when opera happens, when the voices are there and the intention for the drama
1: is sustained, follows it is yes.
0: It's, uh, I'll share one more story. This isn't about fruits this is about Jose Cura who has had his detractors and critics. I'm not one of them anymore. I thought, Oh boy, he came to sing Pagliacci and I was like, Oh boy, you know, this is going to be rough. This guy's getting a little bit, you know, past his prime maybe. And, uh, so we went up my buddy and i uh, because the chorus is called just after the end of the uh, just after "Vesti la juba right and then there's the intermezzo and then the chorus is on for the for the duration for the remainder of the of the show and uh so we said let's go up a little early and listen to him sing Vesti la juba oh my god the orchestra dress rehearsal (laughs) and we were like what like what just like what just happened so then we, we told, you know, and word spread. And so by the time we got to the second performance, the entire 80-person chorus was there in the wings. The stagehands were in the wings. The wigs and makeup were in the rings, wings. The dressers were, the entire company was jammed into the wings. Like some people like down on the ground kneeling to listen to opera happen. Yeah. When opera happens, there is nothing like it in this world I'm surprised you were allowed to do that well, I remember we when, weren't allowed to do that after that because someone stood on a lighting tree and there was like then well, notice no not come what, I'll, up until tell your call I'll tell you why yeah. is
1: because the when Ian Campbell the first um, you know sorry I didn't mean to say the name wow. um, the Are he we whom, in an opera theater <laughs> he, whom, he who must not be named right um, no name when no name first <laughs> first got here mm-hmm. uh And I had had already in just two or three years some absolute, some of the most transcendent opera experiences that I I will ever, uh, I'll never forget them. Mm -hmm. Being able to stand in the wings and watch people like Joan Sutherland sing Carlo Vive, the Cabaletta from from, uh, I Masnadieri. I mean, that defined operatic heroism to Mm -hmm. me. I mean, she just stood side on to the audience with a sword and just. Raised the roof yeah. with virtuosity on mm-hmm. the Civic That's Theater. That's just
0: park and bark, John. It's just park and bark. <laughs> There's no right. artistic merit to that. She should be in a puppet costume.
1: Damn, freaking right it was. And, it, and I'll tell you something. Most <laughs> people don't realize this. There, it, parking and barking is a is a is a style of of obviously the bel canto style. Everything yeah. comes to a stop, and, and we, you we and you sing, and there is nothing harder to do than to produce the voice. At that level, with full emotive range and dynamic and articulative range, uh, from while doing physically nothing, (laughs) yeah, you're not allowed to put your body into it
0: because it's about the voice. Because it's
1: about the voice, and there was nobody better at doing that than Sutherland, Mm. because she could just manipulate that instrument. Right, so phenomenally well, hmm. and uh, and so it was. It's just thrilling, and also watching James Morris work and, uh, yeah. in the Antonia Act ah, okay. uh, of 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 uh, Tales of Hoffman. I mean, he, he was just just thrilling. Yeah, to to what what he and uh, yeah. again a huge voice and produced musically, but he also would come off stage to a waiting cigarette and drink. <laughs>
0: There you go. Gotta there go back out yeah. <laughs> and and go back out and do it, man. Right. I
1: mean, he was it yeah. was just incredible. And then yeah. the and then when No Name showed up, then um uh it, we we uh, 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 an announcement went out: chorus are to stay in their dressing rooms uh-huh. until you were called.
0: Yeah, and that, I thought, you know what? Must have... <laughs> uh <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, that 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 had relaxed by the time I because I started in two two thousand, right. And I well, was in, the second first opera was Trovatore I, I was in and then Lohengrin but Lohengrin rehearsal started months before Trovatore because it's so much chorus, uh. Right. But right. I I sat and I watched Greer Grimsley sing the Bejesus out of the opening the second act of, as Tellermund of Lohengrin. I saw that. Yeah, I and saw that. I stood that there every amazing. night trying to like picking my jaw up off the floor
1: (laughs) it was like let me tell you what it was like uh from from the balcony watching that Uh it was like every once in a while when his his vocal mechanism would sweep by where you were it was like the 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 blast of light from the eye of sauron that going like this oh
0: that's good and it was you, you suddenly you suddenly went <sighs> we're gonna have to send that to him
1: like that i it, it was absolutely <laughs> thrilling you uh, were suddenly mm-hmm. pinned to your seat by a yeah. voice going i see you yeah you know and yeah. it was it was like, literally it was like a searchlight yeah. came by
0: yeah yeah he's saying the dutchman the the dutchman's first scene in uh, the no, Balboa I would Theater. Have, would have loved to have heard in that. In the Balboa Theater. Oh,
1: no, really? Yeah,
0: with the it was <laughs> orchestra on stage. And I was like, it was just relentless. It just kept coming at you. That voice is way too like, big for the Balboa My Theater. I got like, like it was like the that dude in the wind tunnel. Like, it just <laughs> it was just like, holy hell. Like, and unfortunately, it was the first thing on the show. So it was all kind of like, <laughs> downhill from there. <laughs> but... Oh I my I can only gosh. imagine
1: that voice in when the Balboa Theater. Opera
0: happens. Everyone loves it. Yeah. I don't care who you are. If you'd been in the Balboa Theater that night, well, you would have been like, "What was that? Yeah. I didn't know that existed. It's like, on this planet." It's it's
1: like when 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 your ears ring. When you feel like the
0: voice is coming from inside of inside you. Inside
1: of you and and then yeah. it's it's as if there's, you know, you're, you're, there was a movie, I think, um, back in the 60s or something. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I may be f- fictionalizing this, but okay. I think I've heard of it called The Tingler. Ah. And they actually put little electrodes on the seats to give people a little a little, a little something underneath like that, you know. You know? Oh, it, that's incredible. <laughs> nothing major, but just <laughs>
0: and
1: like that. That's kind of what it's like. Yeah. It's like you're sitting on a tingler
0: the tingler and
1: you, you're getting the tingler
0: <laughs> you know what i'm talking
1: about that's what happens when that voice when those vibrations get inside you
0: yeah and you kind of go whoa yeah it's it's electric yeah it's just not artistic bullshit <laughs> it is completely artistic it's
1: about lighting people up from the inside out yeah. that's what it's about right and no, look i mean not all voices not all voices have that no. and not and there's and that does not exclude sheer artistry you know from uh, and and the value of that but there is something mm-hmm. to be said yeah. for the kind of voice that can give you the tingles and get inside mm-hmm. you and light you up
0: and then that voice has artistry has the artistry has musicianship has the conviction of the role and now you've got something where everything lines up and you're in a whole new world and I think and that's you know maybe you can less blame and less often unfortunately. maybe you can
1: blame to an extent because back in look the, the United States is a, is a country of 3,000 seat theaters yes okay well, There there is no medium and small-scale opera to speak of as an industry in this country mm-hmm. not like Germany where there there are full-scale industry levels at each one of those level right. tiers right so you can blame part perhaps the success in the back of, of opera back in the day. It was it was Boston or New York, Boston, Chicago, that Sa- was it, and San Francisco, yeah, to an extent but later, later San Francisco, but that was pretty much it,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, you started to get if you wanted Houston opera, you had Grand to go opera to in it. the 60s, but then and again the same person Walter Herbert founded San Diego Opera as founded Houston Grand Opera mm-hmm. and he had been at he had led the revival with Norman Tragel of um, of uh, of New Orleans Opera before that okay so he came over to the United States after World War II I believe and and went across the country founding opera companies so all of a sudden you've got more large scale opera companies and then we were very successful as an industry in the 1980s we had a great crop of singers through the through the 60s 70s and 80s yeah. a really great generation of singers mm-hmm. and it popularized the art form i remember you know after the met centennial gala and that whole the the upwardly mobile gener- generation of the nineteen eighties, with you know, it uh, was all the rage to wear Michael Douglas's Wall Street outfit with you know <laughs> a, a, a a shirt with yep. suspenders and, and slacks with suspenders yeah. and a bow tie, and to right. go to the opera. Yeah, it was like the opera became popular mm-hmm. with twenty somethings. Everybody yeah. wanted to go to the opera, and problem is, if you're going to be there's only so many houses that that the the really great voices can supply at any one time. True. So it's kind of like having 32 baseball teams out there. We've kind of thinned out the ranks of the very great players. You know, right. it's like it. They used to all play for the New York Yankees. <laughs> now the the, yeah. the talent pool is 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 quite spread out and. You've got a lot more second and third tier teams than you had before, right? And w- how do we keep supplying this opera industry? Well, because now
0: we're, it's going the other way. It's now it's going
1: though. the up. Op- it's going the other way. But yeah. we're, but we're still trying to prop up large scale regional opera companies, and I don't know how viable that's going to be in the long term.
0: Well, not with the way. that... And as a result, the o- the yeah. audience,
1: the young audience, they don't experience oh, these great voices. It's
0: you if you don't have at least one great voice, one. House filling voice. Opera is a long evening, man. Oh, sure, it it's is. Bo- like, I saw Rosen Cavalier at the Met, and it was a cool production set in the time of Strauss instead of the 18th century, which had its own problems, but it was visually good. Um, but the sing, there was not one thrilling note sung in four and a half hours. Not you didn't get a tingle. One thrilling note. Now the presentation of the roast was beautiful. It was exquisite. I got a tingle there, but it wasn't a thrilling note. It was a floaty note, right? Right. right. Very beautiful because the music there happened to play into the strings of the of the singers. But nobody
1: pinned you to the back of your seat no, with the force no. of their voice. No baron no. ox or from
0: Ro H. No baron ox was not a bass, so. Baranox is Baronox supposed to be a, ba- a bass. Yeah, that's a bass role. but the guy singing it wasn't a bass. And all of them sang from top down. They took the top of the voice, that register, and they brought it all the way down. I should hear you kick into chest voice and that steeliness, that aggressiveness come into the voice when appropriate for the character. Right it just never, never happened. And when it, it, well, it's backwards. We used to build voices from the bottom up. Yeah, well,
1: it's kind of like having a, a mountain peak hanging there in the air without the mountain supporting it, isn't it? Yeah. Does that
0: really work? Yeah. Because the mountain disappears halfway down, which is what was happening. The these voices you could hear them on top, and they would disappear in their middle and lower range. There's some fundamental
1: geoterraforming
0: architecture that's deficient
1: in that argument. Yeah. So. so. I don't know. That's,
0: but, and so my, the point being, it's a weird experience. Opera-ish stuff is weird. When it's it's more toward musical theater than opera, it's weird because the stories aren't great. The music's great. The voices are great. The singing's great. And out of that, the story is just kind of the almost the vehicle for the voices and the music. Uh, it's not... It's, it's just a, a cougar and her cub. That's what Rosen Cavalier is. And then he meets someone his own age. And he's like, all right, well, I love them. You know, and the, the cougar's like, yeah, it's time for me to retire from sex. And uh, <laughs> that's the show. Right. But the music <laughs> is phenomenal. It, it's a top ten opera ever written. You, you'll find very few people who would dispute that Rosen Cavalier is one of the top ten Artistic pieces of of opera.
1: It well, it can be a top ten. I mean, the, yeah. there there are quite a few, There's, quite a few yeah. top ten operas. But right. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. But my, I guess my point is that if the young people aren't able to experience the tingles. On a regular oh no, basis. it's just they're pretending. Especially in one in a generation where melody is being downplayed mm-hmm. and we're 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 you know emphasizing the rhythmic at the expense of the melodic. What are they going to make of it? You know, I mean, what? I don't
0: know. It's because it's bizarre. It makes no sense. Because we're
1: going to wind up basically before too long with it being San Francisco, Chicago, and the Met. Because Boston doesn't exist anymore.
0: <laughs> right. And you know, I would be fine with that too. I would gladly travel to hear real opera than to get a continual well, that, diet that wasn't of, opera. But that wasn't not opera, right? That that, as Jesus said, you are lukewarm, and I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Be hot or cold. Yeah.
0: I mean, I I would.
1: I, I know, I know what you mean. I, I have thought for some time that the San Diego Opera needs a different business model. I think we've discussed this. Well, it's and, not just and San Diego, I, I would yeah. rather see them in a in a smaller venue doing a more manageable scale of opera and experience yeah. it up uh, a little closer yeah. than they, to yeah. try to continue to bark out into a 3,000-seat theater with voices that aren't made for
0: that. Yeah. And they're not made for that. They They could. They have the potential for that, but they're actually that, not... Made for that, no, anymore.
1: At the moment. At the moment. So, yeah. so this this is a conundrum that that is is we're gonna have to deal with as we go along into the future. But
0: uh, well, and hopefully the internet can come to the rescue because the information is out there. Oh yeah, it's out there. No, it's out there. And and I liken it to running. So I s- ran three marathons on a partially torn ACL. So the the thing was I could go in straight lines fine, but cutting and pivoting. No, no. But even running just in a straight line, it would my knee would swell. So I really had to pay attention to my running technique and form because I was walking upstairs sideways <laughs> or <laughs> backwards because of my knee. But uh, I was really enjoying the the whole running experience. So I um, looked at what the I the, went on the internet and looked at what the best runners in the world were doing, and I did that. And then I would look at people, maybe at Mission Beach, as they're running down the the boardwalk there, and I would see hill strikes and, like, bad posture and, you know, just terrible running form just that was going to lead to injuries, usage injuries. Um, However, over the years, the information of how to run correctly has become more and more available. I had to buy a book, really, to, to get it. But now I find Instagram feeds that show you how exactly how to run with all these little, like, exercises for you to do so you're doing it correctly you're landing on the pad of your foot right and uh, you're not overstriding. and now I see people run and more times than not they're doing it correctly the information was out there and people went to find it I'm hoping get the same thing happens you mean for with, voice to it you're
1: talking about for, the, voice. for voice production right yeah. what yeah because what you can't really do I mean you can to an extent you can. There's an an awful lot of wonderful operatic excerpt out there and historical opera performance. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. It, once you start, you know, looking from thing to thing and connecting, you can find some wonderfully exciting things. But you're not going to get the tingles from anything other than it being physically present right. when that searchlight comes at you. Yeah. And uh, I I I just hope that. Well, you know, I, I hope that, that, that f- f- future generations of, of up and coming kids can, mm-hmm. as many as possible, can get that, find a way to get that experience. Because once you're turned on to opera, once you're turned on to what the operatic experience can be, yep. there isn't anything else like it in the arts. Mm-mm. Nothing.
0: No, it is the pinnacle.
1: There's no doubt about it. it um, it's a it's it, it's the it, it's the summation of all art forms in one art form. Yeah. Uh, because it and and it's the ultimate team sport as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got the the. It's
0: all got to line up, man.
1: The whole the holistic world of the the world behind the curtain, and then the world in front of it has to enter. They have to interact with mm-hmm. each other. It's not just a one way thing. You have right. to if you. It, it, you can you can feel when you've got an audience's attention when yeah. if you give them something to pay attention to you will get that attention and when you've got it it's elect- you feel it yeah you and know it, when, yeah. when they're when, when they're there
0: that's one of the challenges of podcasting we've got no because when we're in la jolla doing at the community center and the room settles and gets quiet well then you know you're you're doing it right like you know you're on to sure. something that they're interested in if it's a little bit restless, you know, you got some feedback like, oh, there's, okay, well, this isn't quite as interesting as maybe I thought it was going to be. And you, you maybe find, you know, a different path to go, but there's no feedback, man. You guys just, just sit here and watch this. But you're not, you're just clicking away, right? Well, it's the same thing. The, the interaction between the performer and the audience is so important. Sure. Because
1: I, I mean, we all have, have various different podcasts and and, uh, and and videos that we interact with and we give commentary and get mm-hmm. commentary back. Right. And, right, right. You know, we insult people and get insulted back. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. You're an <laughs> idiot.
0: <Yes>. Well, Hitler... <laughs> Hitler, very good at the arts, though.
1: <laughs> well, he had people who, are, who were...
0: Actually, you know, he was a very what's, good performer. What's really... I don't know if you even want to get into this now, but th- we could do a whole fascist thing. because well, We could, but, Stalin, I mean, but you see, Stalin, I was going to say, and, and that's
1: exactly what I was going to say, is that, that, you know, and I get into this with people on the internet ver- uh-huh. at various times, because fascism is, quite, quite frankly, less a political philosophy in operation than it is a methodology. Sure. You know, it, it's, it's pretty simple. You know, it's state oriented. Do what we say or we'll beat you to a pulp. Right. You know, and don't argue. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's basically it. Right. In what now, apart from how you run your economies, how is Stalin's methodology any different at all than Hitler's? No, None. Yeah. There is no difference. Yeah, still in fact, they both of them make make Mussolini look like a really nice guy. He was yeah. way out of his league. What he started got way out of his control.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Italy was and it, never into it, and he wound up as hanging up, as, hanging as, upside down in a plaza. Yeah. And as soon as you know the ally, Allied British and American forces came through, they all immediately they declared war on Germany immediately. Oh, of course, <laughs> they weren't into it, man.
1: No, they didn't want any part of it. Yeah, and uh, it was a huge mistake that that he made. But you know, um,
0: but even Mussolini, Hitler, Stalin made these very powerful state cultures
1: artistic cultures. artistic uh, cultures, uh,
0: yes the even to this day the berlin uh stadium that was built for the olympics i saw the, the world championships were there when usain bolt set the world record like at 9.53 for the 100 meters okay the the area where they they presented the medals was still had this feeling of monumentalism about it well, because it's a great
1: big stone stadium. I mean, yeah, they,
0: it was like <laughs> they had their finger on what we respond to. Now they used it for evil. <laughs> Make no mistake. Much, I don't think
1: there's much argument yeah. about that. But no, but their their presentation, their, yeah. their their aesthetic presentation was was cohesive. It was it yeah. was thought out. It was rationalized. It was detailed. It was nuanced, and it it communicated the message of strength that they wanted to communicate. Mm-hmm. Stalin's the same way. Yeah. You know what 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 they pushed by way of like who doesn't love, you know, uh, 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 Russian propaganda posters. They're yeah. fantastic. Yeah. They're so fun. Yeah. They're, you know, it's, we love them. It, it's, it's it's you know, 60 million people were dying, but yeah. the posters are fun. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah. got great poster art. Yeah. And and to this day, you know, people they saw them as calendars. People mm-hmm. just like this is one advertising a tank factory. Here's a, here's right. one showing the airplanes flying over. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> And right. it just looks good. The the, the it's it's sort of a cross between pop art and and political um, uh, sloganeering.
0: There's a grandeur about all of this that, that it we all like and that they're so colorful. feeling of being a small thing in a big place. Like being in a cathedral. In the Redwood Forest, looking up at the Milky Way, like this feeling of perspective, of grandeur compared to our well, yeah, for like we, we all respond to that. I mean, but that's why I love opera so much because when opera, grand opera, it's the only thing that's called grand in the arts.
1: There's no such thing as grand musical theater. No, is there? there's not.
0: <laughs> there is not. I love musical theater. I do all oh, I, I do love do. classical musical theater, I should say.
1: Yeah, I don't uh, have much use for
0: contemporary musical theater. Yeah. Patter, 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 patter. No, that's, <laughs> that's that's every new musical I've heard. Patter, 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 patter. No, I haven't seen Wicked though. I've heard good things about Wicked. I just I can't be bothered with that. It's
1: it sort of ran. It's out. not grand. It sort it? of ran out for me at Beauty and the Beast. Ah, that was yeah the last applicable other right. other than a revival. That was kind of like the last applicable musical for okay. it, you know th- that yeah. I would have a a.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, a, a realistic role in mm-hmm. so
0: but that's okay. It's okay. It's
1: okay. Um, grand
0: musical theater.
1: I'm hoping to I'm I'm still you hoping, know what though? I'm still We're hoping get, to be big and, in Yiddish and, and the and get, in Yiddish music, y- yiddish yeah, operetta. Yeah. You know, Second Avenue, here I come.
0: We're getting away from Grand Opera. I
1: don't even know what you're talking I know. about. <laughs> um it's all right. Passover's coming. <laughs> Um, but we're getting away from grand opera. We're getting away from grand opera, though. Chamber opera,
0: sorry, it's an oxymoron.
1: Well, there's a place for it, but not on in a three thousand seat stage. Yeah. Chamber opera belongs in a chamber. It's yeah. a, it's a it's a small scale, intimate kind of thing. I'm for chamber
0: opera if you're doing Meister singer with thirteen in the pit, like like oh. like they do in the smaller houses in Germany. Sure, that's that's my version of chamber <laughs> opera, not some. Pretentious social justice, oh no 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 identity no. politics no, thing. That's instance, what
1: chamber opera tends to be. Um, a long time ago, uh, I was and did I
0: say a, that as a middle-aged white man.
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> you're entitled to your opinions. Now, the uh, the uh, a long time ago, I was in a production of um, I Quattro Rustegi by Wolf uh-huh. Ferrari. Okay, that's a chamber opera. Okay, you know, it's and they, we did it over at Sherwood Auditorium. That's the right-sized venue for ah. for that opera. Okay. That opera would be kind of silly in three thousand seats, right. but it's it was quite humorous and and, and amusing in eight hundred seats. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget that the Teatro La Fenice in Venice yes. is eight hundred seats.
0: Sure, it's you less know? than that. I thought. No,
1: it's 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 about it's less than I think it's about eight hundred and fifty seats. Ah. But that doesn't stop them from doing large-scale opera as well. But smaller-scale opera works a heck of a lot better in that kind of an atmosphere, that kind of a, mm. of, of a scale, a venue. Right. Makes a lot more sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, well, solving some of the problems of opera. But anyway, we're going to be talking about these things when we do our opera um, uh, series. Port, yeah. Uh, but coming up, in we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking about the Russians. And the uh, Russians. Keeping the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming.
0: Hey, maybe we should get a, pro- a propaganda poster. <laughs> I love it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you and me like looking up at some <laughs> Russian Russian bombers <laughs> <Right>. going. <laughs> <laughs> right. That would be hilarious. Um, yeah. yeah. Classical, Classical rebellion. rebellion.
0: Yeah, that one went all over the place, but we haven't done it for a while.
1: No, we haven't. There's a lot to talk about.
0: Yeah.